FYI, this podcast contains spoilers. Hey everybody, welcome to episode 179 of the podcast that goes snicked. I'm Jesus <laughs> in the other room, she did her little snick off mic. <laughs> No, no one probably heard it, but it was there. Anyway, um, I'm on the mic, and I'm your host, Jason, so round but so firm, Venable. <laughs> and I'm joined by uh, Cameron, quintessentially civilized Sinclair. Hey, oh. Hey. I'm pretty, sure, I'm pretty sure those nicknames are reversed. <laughs> are they? <laughs> I don't know. I'm working pretty hard on my new dad bod. So. Yeah, but you got a long way to go to catch up with me. <laughs> Maybe so. Maybe so. But anyway, we're here for a flashback of Wolverine Year 14 Part 2. Flashback. Flashback. Oh, we're, we're going to cover a few issues of Uncanny X-Men. And yeah, that's what we're going to do. So Let's how's it going, it. Cameron? What's going on in the, in the Cameron-verse? Nothing. All right. Good Nothing talk. except <laughs> the end of school, wrapping it up. Yeah. Busy, busy. I actually saw um, Daredevil, finally. Oh. I didn't realize you were behind the behind the ball on that. Yep. I just saw that last, like, three nights ago, four nights ago. I got, I watched all you. of it? Huh? You watched yeah. all of it? Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah, I watched the whole thing. Why would I only watch part of the movie? I don't know. I thought we had talked a while back about your impressions of the Punisher. And oh, stuff. oh. I'm in uh, Deadpool. Oh. <laughs> I, was, <laughs> I was looking at this 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 ad in the comic I have up. has a picture of Daredevil, and I said Daredevil. <laughs> yes. No, yeah, we've talked about Daredevil already. Yes. Deadpool, okay. I saw. And that's yes. why you said all of it, because it was a series. <laughs> no, the movie Deadpool. I, I, you I know, well, listen. I mean, besides the part where I had to go to the bathroom. Um. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I saw that, and I watched Civil War, so I think I'm ahead of you on that. You are. I have not had a chance. Actually, I'm going to maybe try to sneak it in. So, I want to take Ethan to see it. And we've yeah. been holding off on Winter Soldier, because when it came out, I don't think he was quite ready for just how intense it was. Yeah. I think he's good now, so I'm going to let him watch it. We're going out of town this weekend. A uh, little yeah. peek behind the curtain. This will come out after the holiday. But we're recording it before the holiday. Um, what? <laughs> yeah, time travel. So we're going to go out of town, and I'm going to let him watch it in the car on the way down. And then maybe when we get back, we can go see the, the new one. Maybe. We'll yeah. see. He also really wants gonna... to see the Angry Birds movie, so i got to balance that. Yeah, the... my kids are excited about Angry Birds as well. Uh, my kids want to see Civil War. I think I'm probably going to wait and wait till it comes out on TV or video. Not TV. That's forever. <laughs> TV. Like on Netflix video or HBO or Netflix or something. Um, I, I feel like the movie's probably still a little a little too intense for Jack. Uh, okay. Ethan, uh, Juju's probably okay, so Ethan's probably okay, too. It's, yeah. it's, the movie's really good. It's It's a lot of fighting. Like, it's just... That's most of the movie. Isn't it straight up fisticuffs? It's pretty much, I mean, it's it's just superheroes fight each other. It's pretty right. much like 100% of the movie. And so but there's a good bit of intensity to it. And so it's, uh, you know, 
I don't sound like an overprotective parent or anything, but it's uh, kind of right on the edge for, for my, my son's younger than Jason's son, though. Right. So yes. for, the, uh, for the listener, yeah. I'm not being a weedy baby. Hey, everyone has uh, to parent their own way. But it was great. But we'll talk about it on a future cast. Yeah, whenever. yeah we will. Well, what did you think of Deadpool? Um, I liked it okay. I, I, I've never liked Deadpool very much okay. as a character. He's one of those characters that I think looks really cool, but I don't really enjoy reading him that much. Right. For me, he's always walked a line of, of cheesiness that when he's kind of on the Spider-Man side of it, I enjoy it. But half the time he kind of goes to where it's not funny to, that I don't really enjoy it as much. Fair and the enough. movie, the movie replicates that pretty well. Yeah. I kind of, the movie looks really good. It does. I was very impressed with the way it looks. Yeah. But I don't know. I, I went back and forth between really enjoying it and really being irritated by it by it just because the way Ryan Reynolds is, I think, <laughs> and the way they're, they're the, the take, which I think they, they really nail Deadpool from the comic. I mean, they do a great yes. job of, yeah. of really encapsulating what I think of Deadpool in the comic. But because of that, I feel the same way about the movie that I do about the comic <laughs> where it's like a, half of it's interesting, half of it's irritating. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, I had a really good time with it, but I, I like Deadpool in the comic in small doses, which Listeners of yeah. the show have heard me say that probably a thousand and one times, but um, but it's still true. And um, I mean, yeah, I agree. He, uh, Ryan Reynolds, kind of encapsulates Deadpool like that was yeah. spot on casting. So, what did you think about um, Colossus? I thought it was fun. I wouldn't, I wouldn't necessarily want that same Colossus to cross over into like the regular X. And I know this all still technically in the same Fox X-Men universe. Yeah, but I, don't, I don't know how they're going to, if they're going to connect them or not. I don't know. I don't know if they really will bother or not. Um, but I don't know if I would want to see that same Colossus. But, you know, I might be okay with it anyway, though. I don't know. I'd have yeah. to see how it... He worked well as kind of the, the goofy straight man. I don't know yeah. what... I don't, I, I, would, I don't know. I just have to see... In the more serious kind of other X-Men movies, how that worked. Yeah. He was a little too... And again, he's a side character in the movie. Right. He was a little too straight-laced for me. Right. Like, just like that, you know, when he talks him to stuff, when he tells Deadpool not to use bad language at one point. It's just right. real, like... Which I, fits okay, I don't know. I also didn't... And I, I understand probably costs are involved here, but I didn't like the fact that he didn't... He didn't ever, he wasn't ever human. He was always, I mean, he was always in armor form, I should right. say. Well, he was probably Colossus from Uncanny X-Men 231. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, they, they don't have an actor doing him. It's just, <laughs> it's just a completely CGI character. Right. It was okay. I also didn't think it made a lot of sense, honestly. Not the movie made sense, but the, the part with Colossus, I didn't, it felt like a weird addition to the movie. And that it was kind of unnecessary. They just needed them so that they would be around to fight later. Well, the whole movie was kind of unnecessary. That's kind of the point. Yeah, I guess that's true. I don't know. There was a lot of bits and pieces. Yeah, I don't know. Anyway, yeah, yeah. it was... So, yeah, overall, I, I get why people like it. 
but I don't like it as much as most people seem to. Fair enough. So, and that's my take. That's my take <laughs> on catchphrase. <laughs> on Deadpool okay. in the film. <laughs> the film, Deadpool. The film. Uh, yeah. And that's about it. I still haven't seen Batman Superman. No, I'll get to it. At some point. Eventually. Oh, I was going to say oh. it for listeners as well. Oh, for listeners and the, me? And you. At Civil War, at the draft house where I went, um, they showed a preview of Suicide Squad that kind of made me want to see it. Okay. All the previews I've seen of it so far have left me very just, eh. Maybe right. I'll see that if I feel like it. I don't right. care. But I saw one that, I mean, it didn't make me excited about it, but it made me think maybe that is maybe it will be worth seeing. I don't really, and I couldn't really tell you what was different about it. it was just did did about Will Smith do a, a a rap about the plot of the movie? He didn't do he didn't do a rap. Oh, okay. No, mm. I wish he had though. Will two K? Yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so no one anything of that, and I don't know something about the way I think because it was it was kind of the preview gives it more of a story rather than just relying on hey look at the characters right, and it kind of the preview reveals a little bit more of the levity that the Suicide Squad has mixed the irreverence with kind of if you will yeah instead of like a lot of the previews I've seen so far are just like mm. like just dark. Yeah, just dark, intense, creepy, you know, all which, and that I know, I understand, I realize that that is what a lot of people want out of all that. But for me, I find that less appealing. And so this, a little more story, a little bit more jokey. So, I don't know. I thought, I thought that was interesting. Cool. If you can go see it, let me know. Maybe we'll tag along. Yeah, I don't think there's any way I can get Amy to go see that. So. <laughs> The Doctor Strange preview, I saw that, but it's the same one I've seen. They had that too, but it's the same one I've seen already. So. Yeah. Do you have listeners that are strong supporters of Doctor Strange? I think it looks good. The new series is really good. In the in the both comic, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah we'll see. So. The movie looks it looks kind of interesting. Yeah, I'll give it a shot just because of the casting, if nothing else. Yep. Yep. All right. Cool. Well, anyway, uh, been movie talk. <laughs> enough current, enough talk about nowadays. Let's, Comics at the movies. That's our theme song. <laughs> Let's talk about the late 80s. Late um, 80s. Yeah, back to Wolverine Year 14, Part 2. Um, part 2, you mean? Part 2. Yes, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> so we're going to talk about a few issues of Uncanny X-Men, and then I'll very briefly mention an issue of Alpha Flight. And we're going to start off with Uncanny X-Men number 229. And this is um, Down Under. Shrimp on the Barbie and all that? Yep. This That's is... not a knife. This is a knife. <laughs> Crikey. Dingo ate my baby. Right. <laughs> Eric Banya. I don't know. What else we got? Eric <laughs> Russell Crowe. Russell Crowe. Heath Ledger's dead. Um... Aww. And of course, Hugh Jackman. Of course. Well, it's the podcast that goes it's, next. Yeah. Hugh Jackman is a coup de gras. Um, I, I saved him for after the jokey part. Right. I'm serious about Hugh Jackman. Yes. Especially when he had the little mullet and the fighting robot. Yes. 
<laughs> and that, that movie's the best that I never saw. <laughs> the best movie I never saw. Um, anyway, Down Under is written by Chris Claremont, penciled by Mark Silvestri, or is it Silvestri? I don't know. <laughs> I don't think it is. <laughs> Inks by Dan Green. Colors by Gwyneth Oliver. Letters by Tom Orzakowski. Yay, Gwyneth Oliver. She's yep. back. And on the cover, we have Silvestri and Dan Green. And this cover, with the exception of Colossus's neck, is awesome. Yeah. It yeah. is. So we have like a red, almost like Japanese sun in the background, and then like a maroon background around the circle, mm-hmm. um, and then a pile of metal, and then Colossus, Storm, and Wolverine fighting these um, cyborg, cyberpunk guys. Which, oddly enough, the two on top are green. <laughs> yeah, I don't quite know why they were green there, but I'm not sure either. But one of my favorite parts about the cover is, uh, so you have this the first layer of, of cyberpunks at the bottom, and you have the guy turning around looking at the audience screaming <laughs> with, like, yeah. the skull face paint. Yeah. I love that part. And Wolverine looks great. Um, everything, the colors, everything looks great except for Colossus has a little bit of extended neck. Yeah. I, I agree. It's a great, uh, it's a great cover. All right, and this, of course, is going to be the first appearance of the Reavers. So that's interesting. Um, and let's see how they come about. So the Reavers, a cyberpunk group of criminals, rob the bank in Singapore and kidnap the banker's daughter. That sounds like a song. Then they take... What? Oh, sorry. I can't read my own writing. <laughs> then they teleport back to the Australian outback where they torment their Aborigine teleporter gateway. That night, they party hard and show off their treasure, which, you know, I'm sure that's a euphemism. Of course. While Stretchy Arms tries to turn the daughter into one of them. The X-Men intervene and kick some Reaver ass. Some of them teleport away, and Wolverine is about to murder Gateway to prevent their return, but Storm stops him, sensing Gateway's innocence. Turns out that Roma, remember her from the uh, Fall of the Mutant storyline, she tipped him off and suggested the X-Men send the captured Reavers through the Siege Perilous, a magic rebirth mirror. Ooh. Uh, They decide not to punish the daughter of the banker. Thought that would go without saying, but mm, anyway, they they debate it and decide in favor of, of sparing her the Siege Perilous. So Roma sends her home with no memories of her trip. Roma leaves the Siege Perilous with the X-Men, who stay at the Reaver headquarters. Oh yeah, and uh, by the way, Roma also made them undetectable by anything except except the naked eye and the equipment at their new base. Which I don't think makes any sense, but we can... Well, it's all part of her magic to, like, let people still believe they're dead. They don't have to hide. They can yeah, go out I get and, the point of it. Right. I just don't think it... I don't know. It doesn't make any sense to me. <laughs> no. It doesn't. But yes, yeah, so we get the first appearance of the Reavers. Uh, in our first panel of the Reavers, they're uh, 
teleporting into this bank and shooting stuff up. What was your kind of first impression of the Reavers? Well, I would say 15-year-old Cameron thought they were pretty badass. Yeah. I would say 12, uh, 13-year-old for sure. Yeah, somewhere, whatever age we were around then. I, I, They're okay. They're very dated. Yeah, they are. I think they're, the idea of them is pretty cool. I like bits of them, but it's it's so 80s. <laughs> Especially the guy with like the tank bottom. Who's yes. Like just a torso. It just, I don't know. It seems so, it seems so eighties to me. And we were talking. Oh my gosh. There's a guy in a football helmet. Yeah. A straight up like. Just his regular football helmet on. Okay. I didn't even catch that. Yeah. It's awesome. (laughs) Um, Yeah. So we're thinking about like crazy eighties cyberpunk movies with, you know, we talked about like Blade Runner or RoboCop or, you know, we just, I don't know. It just reminded me of, of that of just kind of that weird before the internet existed before any of this kind of stuff made more sense as it would today, you know, today is kind right. of a cyberpunk. This is more like, it's not really cyber. It's more like mechanic punks. Yeah. Cause it's not really even like, I mean, I guess it's technology. I don't know. It's yeah. They're cybernetic. I mean, they're robotic like, cyber. Yeah. 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 I don't know. Anyway, they're basically, you know, the dreadnoughts with... Um, I was about to ask you, so dreadnoughts or reavers? Yeah, so they're they're kind of like not quite as cool as dreadnoughts. But, okay. Oh, yeah, dreadnoughts, definitely. You can yeah. win, hands down. <laughs> but yeah, no, you know, I'm sorry. I did like the 18 reference where he says, I do love it when a plan, when my plan comes together. Oh, yeah. So, Hannibal, uh, Hannibal line. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. I don't know. They're they're just they're so dated. It's hard to even really have a specific opinion on it. So let me ask you something here. These first couple of pages, specifically the bottom of page three and the top of page four, okay. does some of this art look like uh, Walsh Portacio snuck in and drew this to you? It does. It's really I think weird. The cyber element of it. I think that reminded me of Walsh Portacio too, because he he had that. What was that? What was his? Um, oh, what works. That works. It's right yeah. where they're all cybernetic right. assassins or whatever. Yeah, it, it, it did have that, that kind of feel to it with all the lines and the way the face is. Yeah, and even like the way the, the guy's gun is shooting on the bottom of page three. Yeah. I just, it didn't look like Sylvester to me. But It doesn't. There's, there's, there's quite a bit in this book, actually, I, that I thought doesn't seem, doesn't look like Sylvester to me. Yeah. I do but, really like um, Skullcracker's design because he has like the red skull face paint, but there's actually like a crack in it. Yeah, on the nose cool. maybe, but it looks cool. Yeah, he is pretty cool. There's, I think him and the guy with kind of the the helm, the army helmet with the stars, are kind of cool looking. But that's about it. The other guys are again, I think they're just oh so dated. But I don't know. It's kind of a cool idea. Well, um, if you're following along current days, the Reavers just came back in current issues of Old Man Logan, and the guy with the tank torso now has a belly button cannon. So, that's, when he, that's when he grows up to be. That's um, the updated version of the Reavers. All right. Yeah. Yeah, all right. So cyberpunk, as, as far as cyberpunks go, um, they're they're pretty good. Yeah, no, man. I mean, their point of existence is just running around stealing shit. So, yeah, I mean, just being violent. Yeah. 
and being pirates, basically. Cyber pirates. Yeah, they are kind of pirates. That's really what they are. Okay. I didn't understand why... I thought that the whole thing where he holds the old guy up and threatens to kill him if he doesn't open the vault, and then she says, you can't open the vault, and then so the guy just blows the vault open. Like, why didn't he just blow the vault open? Why didn't they know. go through the whole thing where they're trying to get the guy to open it? If he had a gun where he could just blow a hole in it. Yeah, anyway. It's a power trip. If you can make someone like else do it. Like it's a so. bad guy thing to do. I also thought, and this might be a little bit uh, controversial. Uh-oh. Where he says to the the girl, what's her name? The banker's daughter. Uh, or something. Hone. Hone. Anyway, whatever. Hassan Hone. I don't know. I don't know if I'm saying that right at all. Uh, Close enough for our purposes. Um, Anyway, where she says something and one of the Reavers says to her, I'm trying to find it. He calls her Tiger Gal? No, he yeah. says, do you want to, to the old man, she says something, a reasonable man, there you go, she goes, oh yeah, the, the skull cracker guy, says, you want to save the old coot sweets, you provide the combination, and I thought, is he talking about rape, because my first thought <laughs> was coot, cooter, right, it's an yeah. euphemism, and so I thought, and then, but then there's several other things through here that seem to kind of imply that over and over, you know, and I thought, I thought that was kind of interesting. And I wondered if it was just a pure old man reference or if there was intentionally some element of the idea of her saving herself from sexual assault. I don't know. The Reavers are definitely kind of rapey with the girl. Yeah. For sure. Well, I kind of get the you kind of get the feeling that they they do at some point, kind of on down through here. But hmm. well, and he makes there's a couple of there's a couple of other comments. One of the most obvious ones is when he says, um, "Where am I? Where is this place?" Or she says, and he says, "Our hideout, of course." And since we looted your treasure vault, little tiger, it seems only polite to show you ours. And then they show his <laughs> vault. Thought, I'm well, so okay, innocent. I just thought that was the bank. But yeah, maybe yeah, maybe he I, did loot her vault. The idea of the double meaning, I thought. Yeah. A, run, a running... Uh, I okay. don't know that they were, were thinking that, but... I, 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 I don't know. It's possible. Definitely. Why not? You definitely worry for this girl, like, the whole time. Oh, yeah. And well, unfortunately, so even when the X-Men come along... <laughs> Yeah, you don't really know. Like, we should send her through the siege perilous. You know, because she's an innocent victim here. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, the Reavers are partying in their Gunsmoke Hotel that they live in. Party. I do love that they're throwing, like, full-on daggers at the dartboard. I thought that yeah. was fun. It's um, it's uh it's like all you all you want from modern day pirates. They are pirates because they're shooting the whiskey barrels and then drinking yeah. like the f- stuff that pops out of the barrel. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. When they when they have a vault of just piles of gold. So yeah. Like, just booty. This is not a this is not a gang. This is a this is pirates. Right. Wow. Yep. That's funny. Or Old West, I mean, Old West game, but the, the pirate... Uh, no, the they're, they're straight up pirates. I never really thought about it that way, but that's... We'll go with it. Yeah. So then the X-Men show up. We have some pretty cool art. Uh, I mean, I just... 
Silvestri and Havoc are just a good team up. I love the way he draws Havoc, the way he draws his powers, the poses he puts them in. Yeah. Uh, that one of him shooting off the roof looks great. Um, yeah, that's a good panel. I still find the little Psylocke butterfly to be a weird thing. Yeah, but that's that's what it was. So Such an interesting idea. Because especially this one panel where it's like on top of Rogue's head. I get when it shows up around Psylocke's face and it's like, oh, she's right. looking. Well, it's just in a way of visualizing that she's talking to Psylocke. <laughs> it's like she's wearing it as a crown. Yeah, well, you yeah. know. My Psylocke tiara. <laughs> and so we get the... The suggestion that um, Longshot has had his soul switched out or something at some point. We knew. Yeah. It says that Dazzler, that monster man, is stealing her days, replacing her lifelight with his own. And Dazzler thinks he's so angry as though the same thing had been done to him. Oh, right, right, right. So alluding to all the spiral mojo stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So that was not necessarily that interesting, but... These yeah. random, the last couple of comics, it's like there's like random long shot stuff they keep throwing in there. Like they really want us to go back and find out more about long shot, but I'm not going to do it. <laughs> <laughs> but at the time, I guess this is their way of trying to plug. I mean, it makes sense because long shot is really pretty different and he's so much like very different stuff going on than with the X-Men. And so they're trying to keep that, keep that open i guess or in the air maybe right i don't know anyway her and daz were fight uh we see rogue and colossus and i those red colossus booties have got to go yeah i don't those little ankle shoes are pretty terrible yeah and he's still naked i just don't understand he's still just in the little underwear right the speedo yeah. i mean i get he's only in the armor form all the time so why does he need clothes yeah, I don't know. but still, it just seems like a strange thing. And I just I don't remember this, but the more we read, the more I just realize Silvestri really, really loves. And I'm assuming it's Silvestri. I guess it could be the letterer, but it only happened when Silvestri came along. He really, really loves the '60s Adam West Batman onomatopoeia. Yeah. Yeah, we get quite a bit of that. And kind of the Looney Tunesy thing too, where like all the fighting happens, like, and this is not the only time this happens. So like in this scene, Rogue and Colossus are outside the saloon. They walk in, you hear all this noise, and the Reavers come flying out the door. Yeah. And then Colossus has his arms crossed and his metals gleaming, and Rogue's like, "Yep." <laughs> yep. Um, I thought it was weird when the the tank body guy grabs rogue i guess the point is that her shirt has ripped yes and that's why she has exposed skin right so yeah never mind that's her because i was thinking i was why does she even have exposed skin but then i just realized that was her uniform is ripped that's the point of that so then we switch scenes page 20 is an awesome wolverine page the whole page just wolverine cutting people up it's great oh yeah well it's like because he hadn't been in the comics so far and they're like all right We've got 19 pages of Wolverine, so we need a whole page of just Wolverine. Yeah. Which I'm, I'm happy with. Yeah, this is every every single panel is fantastic. Yeah. yeah it's, it's and really... I'm a real sucker, that last panel, I'm a real sucker for kind of a silhouette Wolverine in yeah. the distance walking. Right. I pretty, much, I pretty much always enjoy that. And the negative space on the bottom with the two, like, borderless panels with just reverb parts flying around. Yeah. 
Yeah, very cool. And centering around that close up of his furrowed brow and his eye. Just yeah, mm-hmm. just just a great, great page. But but Silvestri, I mean he's uh he's one of the Wolverine masters, so Yeah, definitely. I like the interaction with Storm and Wolverine around Gateway. Then Wolverine's mm-hmm. like, well it just makes he doesn't as far as he knows, Gateway's on their team. Yeah, he like, doesn't know. And if we just let them come back, they can like teleport behind us and you know stab us in the back. So let's yeah. get, let's just get rid of this guy and be done with it. But of course, Storm knows better. And then we get to all the Roma stuff. I do like kind of the debate among the team. Um, yeah. Not what they're gonna do with everybody. I like that that guy calls Longshot a wimp. Yeah. Especially because Longshot's like being very. Um very serious with this guy. Like, how can you be so spineless? He says to cast away your birthright flesh and replace it with machinery. And the guy says, ah, shut up, you imp. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that was funny. And the line where Wolverine says, where Havoc is talking about justice or vengeance. And Wolverine says, sometimes boy, vengeance is justice. that's That's about as classic a Wolverine line as you get. Well, you know, it's really funny because I don't remember them having necessarily a history. I feel like, and maybe it's just because they have, they're have they related, have the same last name, they're like having just kind of by default becomes the guy that, that him and Wolverine needle each other. Like yeah. he used to do he with becomes, Cyclops. He's the Scott of the group. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Which is really funny because I've always thought of them, while definitely being brothers, as being very different. Mm-hmm. So it's weird they kind of shove him in that role. Where he's yeah. kind of always been trying not to be Cyclops. Like, I don't know. Yeah. Like, it's just interesting. Well, I think that they 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 are different, but they do have that similarity of of the um, I don't know the kind of the moral compass. You know, it's like Havoc. The, the thing that I think sets apart Havoc is he doesn't take himself so seriously like scott does right that's always cyclops isn't always but that's always one of his problems is that he just takes himself and everything so seriously yeah and havoc doesn't do that as much and so that kind of makes him a little bit different than scott but i think they still kind of have that that moral summers even like that one comic before where he leaves polaris in the desert it's like i got to do this myself and they're uh, kind of yeah. like right. this is this is the way it needs to be done and so i need to do it that way <laughs> They both have kind of that summer stubbornness, I think is the phrase they actually used in the comics. So. Yeah. But yeah, I like that too. They kind of needle each other. But I thought that was a great, a classic Wolverine line. I also like that Psylocke is on his side, on Wolverine's side. Yeah, I like that too. Because a lot of people kind of feel like, oh, Psylocke is this now, but back in the day she was all sweet and innocent. Well, kind of, but not really. She was just British. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> She wasn't a badass ninja yet, but she still was, you know, the same Betsy Braddock. Fighting people, yeah, right. yeah, I, uh, I concur with that. So what do you think of the magic mirror, black mirror? I, th- I kind of felt like, I kind of felt like Ro- Roma is being kind of a jerk this whole time. <laughs> like just the way she talks about everything. The mirror, I thought, is is, I don't know, it's kind of weird. It doesn't. I didn't fully understand exactly, except I guess it, it resets you. Is that what it does? Yeah, pretty much. But all of these people remain bad guys in Do the comics universe. The Reaver. I mean, don't the Reavers? You just they're, they're well. Still... But remember the the kind of the core Reavers escaped. 
Oh, that's right. So these the outside guys. So yeah, maybe they didn't. I don't know. I don't know. It seems like a weird. Because then it's like, is it changing their personality? Is it changing the core of their being? Are they being completely reset? And if that's the case, then is that really any better than what the one Reaver guy is doing? Where he's taking a person against their will and making them something different. That was kind of strange. And the whole interchange with uh, Roma and Storm, where Storm's like, uh, was was that in this one? Yeah, where Storm was like, "Were you the goddess that I used to that I reached oh. out to the youth?" And Rome was like, "Man, I don't got time for you. <laughs> like, I'm trying to watch this whole galaxy. I don't have time for for little things like that." It's a really weird, like, I don't know. It was a really strange way she was treating them in a in a very uh, harsh way. I thought, but then again, she is watching the whole universe, so she's got better things to do. She's got to do her best to look like the Submariner. Yeah. <laughs> Marita. Name Marita. Then she uh, whisks away like the magical fairy, and the yeah. X Men are left there to do their thing. We get another great G.I. Joe pose. Yeah. It's not right. quite as cool as the one before, but still pretty good. Right. Yeah, the Siege Perilous stuff, I don't it's it's a weird thing, and I don't I don't know I don't remember how much more they do with it. A lot. Okay. Well there you go. Yeah. And right. they'll they'll come into play have some shifts in a lot of the X-Men kind of the characters like the X-Men. Well, extra spoilers on the, the flashback episodes from comics that are you know, 30 years old. But, um, but yeah, uh, the X-Men don't go through it later themselves. So there's a whole big, whole uh, big thing with all the characters. Well, there you go. So I don't know. Well, I guess we'll see where it goes. How, how do you feel about it? You didn't really. Uh, it seems kind of silly, but it's kind of a MacGuffin, like, oh, here's, you know, here's an option. You don't have to kill them. You can like send them away to be new. A reset button. Yeah, through this magic portal, which you know, whatever. Yeah, I'm with you on that. So, what do you think of the art in this issue overall? It ha- it has some weird moments, uh, but I think it's it's pretty good overall. Yeah, I like it. Has it. A, it has the weird moments, like we mentioned, where it doesn't seem like it's Mark Silvestri. In some cases, the Walls Portatio stuff, it's not bad. It just doesn't look like him. And then there's some stuff I thought, I don't know, just less interesting than what, what I what we've been seeing from from Silvestri. But yeah, yeah good well, overall. All right. And as far as the story, uh, the Reavers were a lot flimsier than my memory, just as far as the concept. I guess fun, you know, kind of the, the cyberpunk pirates, now that we kind of talk about it that way, is... It's kind of fun, but I don't know. I remember them being, I don't know, maybe it's just because I was 12 and 13. I just remember them being a lot cooler, like a lot. Do they come back soon? Yes. Yeah, they okay. will. Because um, that's what I was thinking. Maybe I'm They'll just come try to them. reclaim their base eventually. Yeah, maybe I'm just remembering them from the later stuff. Because this seemed like, it, it didn't seem like it meant anything. Right. This whole issue, really. <laughs> didn't seem like it meant very much of anything. All right. Well, with that in mind, what are you going to grade Uncanny X-Men 229? Mm, I'm going to give it a three. Okay. I think that's a little harsh, but... All right. Well, I'm not too far off. I gave it four out of six claws. Yeah. I think the, the, the Wolverine page alone 
is worth something because <laughs> yeah. it's so cool. But I don't know. It felt like this whole comic was really simply just to give them a reason to stay there, to stay down under. Right. The title. But none of it, you know, the Reavers, they don't mean much. The I thought it was weird, too. Like, Roma's whole thing, like, you can go anywhere you want, any space, any time. You know, why don't you go fight these cyberpunks in Australia? Yeah. And the fact that she, like, recommended that, it seems like if she was going to send them somewhere with, like, a mission or a purpose, it would be, like, a big deal. Whereas I feel like Reavers aren't really doing anything. Right, yeah. Kill Hitler. That's, that's, if you can go anywhere in time and space, (laughs) do good, you go back and you kill Hitler, right? It doesn't make any sense why, or, I mean, I don't know. It is, I mean, I guess I know why they're doing it, but... So yeah, so it felt like a very flimsy like for the hang for the 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 uh, cliffhanger we got, and again for the readers of the time two months ago, right. we got this cliffhanger about what they're going to do, and then it's like oh well, they're going to go to Australia and fight cyberpunks that will have no background story to them at all. <laughs> right. They'll save a random banker who will then forget who they are. Yeah, and that's pretty much it. That's pretty much it. Yeah. All right. All right, let's move on to Uncanny 230. Moving along. This, um, <clears throat> Twas the Night. Twas the Night. And hilariously, I did not get where they were going with that until about halfway through. <laughs> and then I was like, oh, Twas the Night. <laughs> Before Christmas. <laughs> Uh, which I, you know, it says June on the comic, so. All right. Yeah, but, but remember this, the yeah, cover date and the actual date aren't always the same. Yeah. Or, or never the same. More accurate. All right, so we got um, 2.30, Chris Claremont, writer, Mark Silvestri, penciler, Joe Rubenstein, inker, Glennis Oliver, colorist, Tom Wojciechowski, letterer. And uh, Silvestri and Rubenstein did the cover. And what's on the cover? Joey Rubes. The cover is... I, I don't like it. In, if this was a David Bowie album, album cover, <laughs> I would like this a lot. <laughs> but because it's supposed to be Longshot fighting ghosts on a pile of gold. <laughs> I, I don't know. And it also looks like the blades are coming out of his head. Uh, yeah, that's kind of weird. And uh, yeah, I, I, don't, I don't... This is not a great cover in my yeah, mind. I like it okay. But, yeah, the art's not bad. I just the co it's a more conceptual that I don't like than the the drawing itself. Right. It's as decent a drawing as long shot as you get. Yeah. With ghost monsters. <laughs> and it looks like a spittoon under him. Yeah, <laughs> kinda does, yeah. Alright. Uh, well before uh, we get into the comic, on the inside cover for mine Yep. Is the old uh mail off for G. I. <clears throat> Joe when you can become a G.I. Joe. Yep. Uh, what was it? Steel Brigade. Steel the Steel Brigade. Brigade is what that was called. Yep. And, um, of course, we both, we, had one. we both had one. Do you remember your code name? Uh, no, I was trying to think of it. Mine was Windstorm. Windstorm, I remember yeah. that. I want to say yours was like Machine Gun or something. Yeah, I think it was just Machine Gun. It was a it lot more muscular clever. sounding than mine. Mine was all like, ooh... I was trying to be like the ninja guy, and you were like, "No, I'm just gonna shoot shit." The machine gun. <laughs> I mean, it was stupid. It, it was. It was also a big letdown because it was like, 
you can be the next G.I. Joe and the idea that it's going to be you, but then we both ended up with the same action figure. I thought we had different pants because there were two or three different versions of pants. Mm, I don't know. I don't remember that. Because I I had the scrap iron pants that were repainted. Yeah. And I know Scott, his had, oh, is it Airborne? I think it was Airborne's pants. Oh, yeah. I I think I had these tan ones or these like khaki tan ones. Well, they're all painted that color, but they were different molds. They just reused other figures and then repainted them. But yeah, I remember filling this little thing out where you put your code name in there. Yep. You had little clicks, questions like you're at your best. Yeah. You pick the kind of weapons expert you are, your martial arts expert. <laughs> so dumb. Yeah. That's really funny. I that loved patch, it. You had that, that patch on your backpack all the way into college. Yes, I did. I still have that patch on that backpack. Yeah, I know um, you do. I what happened to mine? I took that back. That was my ACL backpack for years and years. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Pretty you know, awesome. I actually, I don't, I didn't think it was that much of a letdown though. I used to love that figure. I would take my windstorm figure and he would make out with Jinx. Um, <laughs> yeah. No, I remember liking mine a lot too. I think it's now more of looking back on it as yes. how much of a gimmick it was. It was a con. Yeah. yeah but it was kind of a con. <laughs> But yeah, no, I remember thinking it was pretty cool, and he still looks looks kind of cool. Yeah, it's not a bad little figure. It looks a little viperish. I mean, if you think about it, he kind of looks more like a bad guy. I think it's a cobra head. I think it was the. Uh, is it the Tank same head as the guy that came with the Terradrome, or is it a little bit different? Uh, I don't know. I was thinking the Hiss Tank guy. Oh yeah, maybe. I don't remember. But yeah, that's funny. Blast from the past. All right. So what happens in Twas the Night? All right, so we open up with Storm flying in what looks like outer space, but I think it's just in the sky. Yeah, I the think night so. sky. The night sky. But she's over purple clouds that, for a moment, I was like, is that the atmosphere? Is she flying in the space? But no, she's flying through the sky, <coughs> flying through the sky. Um, the X-Men are basically checking out the Reverse technology because yeah. for some reason they've decided they're going to live in the Reverse place now, which I don't. they don't really explain. They just... This is where we live now. Well, they need a place to live. They ran yeah. the Reavers off. Yeah, this really kick-ass old old West hotel. Yeah, but it's a pirate place that people have been shooting up and throwing stuff, and seems weird. But you know, whatever. You got to stay somewhere. The technology's great. So checking it out, Rogue decides to test the defenses, and so all the X Men basically gang up on Rogue. Yeah, Which kind of push. like a, a impromptu danger room session with yeah, the whole base. Basically. And so they all fight her up, and they take her down, of course. And she has a great line where Wolverine does the whole two claws around her neck with the middle one not popped. He says, you lose, and if I pop my center claw, you dead. Any comments? And she says, nothing printable. (laughs) A great uh, breaking of the fourth wall, if you will. And so with this, Madeline Pryor finds some self-worth because she feels like she's finally able to help the team yeah. working this machinery. Yeah, but she's she is very quick booth. to point out it's very easy to use. So don't think that she's super smart. <laughs> doesn't want anybody to think she's a tech wizard or anything. It's very user-friendly. It's easy for her to use. I thought that was an interesting uh, insertion there. Right. Um, so... She also then reflects on the fact that the Marauders took her baby, which I kind of forgot about 
because she doesn't talk about it much. And I thought, man, if someone took my baby, I think I'd be talking about it all the time. Yeah. Or at least still looking for the baby. Right. So in concurrent issues of X Factor, Cyclops has finally remembered that he had a baby. And he has enlisted Gene's Daddy help. Here. Yeah, yeah. He's a shitty dad. Um <laughs> he's he's enlisted Gene's help. So X Factor is is trying to find the baby. Yeah. His ex girlfriend helping him find the baby with his ex wife now. Are they divorced? Well Are he Cyclops of- thinks that Madeline Pryor is dead. Oh that's right. Because that right. that body washed up that wasn't her. Remember? Yeah, that's right. I forgot about that. And their house was blown up. So Maybe he thought they were both dead, and then somehow he found out the baby was alive. Oh, because he saw the TV report from Dallas where Madeline was like, please someone find my baby. And he's like, <laughs> I thought the baby was dead. I thought she was dead. Jean, she's not dead. Want to make out? <laughs> Wait, am I still married then? <laughs> <laughs> right. So, are we committing adultery? Yeah. So, um, anyway. <clears throat> uh, I want to be an Old West ghost town without a mine. Yeah. Okay, you got to have an old mine. And so, Longshot's hearing voices for some reason, and so he decides, like any good horror film, he's going to go check it out by himself. Right. He's not going to tell anybody. He's going to go down in the dark mine. My, uh, oh, there we go. My computer froze up on me. Um, so he goes down in the mine and finds a bunch of spirit ghosts talking to him. And does he learn or does he already know that he can touch items and get their history? Uh, Pat had mentioned it before, so I think maybe from other, like the Longshot miniseries, okay. maybe. I guess it's a that. power he already had. Yeah, it's the called Psychometry. Put- the way he talks about it, it's like he's introducing it. But I wasn't sure if that was because right. they were introducing it, period, or if it was just introducing it to the X audience. Right, I'm not sure. So, anyway, he can touch stuff, get images about their past. Um, John or Pat, let us know uh, if this is a full debut or just an uncanny debut. Yeah. And so, <clears throat> he finds a bracelet that some dude gave to his wife or daughter or something that makes him real sad. And so he throws it and yells. Um, and later we find out apparently went into a coma for several days. Right. Not <laughs> shown, but yeah. So then it just says another day. So later, sometime later, um, we have Dazzler who's commenting on how gross the, Marauder, the Marauders, the uh, Reavers place is. It's dirty and it's filthy and there's no TV and there's nothing to listen to and so she throws a real diva fit <laughs> about how she hates it here. I hate it! And then Havoc, for some reason, became a scoutmaster for the Boy Scouts in this region, is now dressed in all khaki with knee-high socks. Oh wait, what do you think they found under the bed? I don't know what that is. Yeah, was, I can tell if it was like a triple, but the trouble it's, with triples, I don't know. I don't know. It just looked like a pile of yellow. Yeah. Yeah, I thought uh, Havoc looks like uh, when we used to see old flashbacks of Professor X walking around. <laughs> yeah. It's like that's his uniform. It's like he's on, he's on his way to, 
he's on his way on safari. Right. Or like he's a German soldier in the North Atlantic campaign. I mean, North Africa campaign. Anyway, it's all very random. And then Wolverine is shirtless. <laughs> in a weird, with a very tall hat. <laughs> weird looking Wolverine. <laughs> yeah. That's, he was, very... that's a male stripper looking Wolverine. It, that is exactly what that is. That's right out of, uh, what's the... What's the male stripper movie? Magic Mike? Magic Mike. There was only for that full Monty. Yeah, yeah, for the, the all the dad bods. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> anyway, so she throws a fit, but this, uh, I don't know, there's really nothing to that. She throws a fit, and then um, Storm brings a giant flood to basically wash everything away and clean it all. <laughs> That's how that works. Like, it would ruin some of that technology they were excited <laughs> about, but whatever. Um, Gateway's still hanging out on the cliff, so Rogue brings him a picnic basket so he can have a snack. I, I wrote that in my notes to picnic Did basket. you? That's funny. Um, and then Dazzler hits the showers again. She commented on the last podcast about now that's the new running theme. Yeah, yeah. So here we She's are. She's the new shower girl. Used to always be Storm in the shower. Oh, yeah. Now Dazzler's the new take a shower girl. Right. So she takes a shower. When she gets out of the shower, uh, they find Longshot has just woken up after <laughs> days of being unconscious, as we said. Which questions did she take a several day long shower? Or has time just been moving? <laughs> Um, then, sh- um, long shot gives his best heartthrob crying face pose Yeah, with tears coming down, uh, talking about the jewelry he found. The X-Men don't really believe him. So Rogue says, prove it and brings him something to tell the story of. And so Psylocke projects what long shot is seeing to all the X-Men so they can all see the history of this necklace. And so they find a necklace that a lady owned and some guy stole from her. And so Longshot says, we need to give all this stuff back. And Wolverine says, that's stupid, which I agree with Wolverine, (laughs) kind of. (laughs) That's a dumb idea. There's really big things going on, and it doesn't make sense to go on a giant crusade around the planet trying to return people's uh, items of of value. Trinkets, yeah. And so they have a debate about it, (laughs) a longer debate than seems necessary about the value of whether this mission is, whether this mission has value or not. Wolverine remains skeptical, but ultimately Storm decides to go for it. And then um, Gateway starts sending them around the world to return stuff. And then I suddenly got the Twas the Night Before Christmas theme. <laughs> that late. And then right. I was like, oh, come on, X-Men. And so they're showing up at Christmas trees, returning gifts, and people are crying. And Longshot cries some more when he returns that necklace. And the X-Men have a Christmas party. And they give Dazzler a little motorcycle that she liked. Um, and Rogue gives Gateway a flute. And he starts playing that flute. More of a recorder. Or a recorder. More of a, yeah. more of a hot cross buns type scenario. <laughs> I wish I had Juju's recorder. <laughs> um, yeah, and so <clears throat> that's the end. Yeah. Is the, the last scene is a silhouette of 
uh, Gateway playing the recorder and Rogue sitting bizarrely close to him listening. Yeah. She gets a concert. Yep. <clears throat> so, overall... All right, well, a couple of things. Um, Storm has a new costume. She does. She's really rocking a Tina Turner look here, I think, with the hair and everything. A little bit, yeah. She's in between a mohawk and back to being full hair. Yeah. Well, the last issue, she had a huge curly, a huge head of curly hair. Right. But it was still kind of short on the, it was still kind of shaved on the sides. Yeah. But, and now it's just kind of the straight, spiky hair, but but big yeah. Tina Turner style. I like the black and yellow costume. Kind of harkens back to her original, but it's a little, it's not quite as Dave Cockrum '70s looking. Yeah. You know, I have like the weird boots with the weird holes in it. So yeah, a little more streamlined version. Yeah. Yeah, I, I like your costume as well. Um, I like that. Uh, was uh, somewhere in here. I believe Rogue compares the Outback to Wolverine. I thought that was kind of cool. Like, like <laughs> it kind of fits yeah. that he's there. They're both rough, elemental, you know. I didn't think it was weird. Maybe it's Joe Rubenstein's inks. Maybe he's just a very strong inker, and that's probably true. But the Wolverine face on page 16, you know, we had some, like, panels last issue where it looked like Protatio maybe pinch hit. Yeah. But that face in Wolverine does not look like Sylvester. He looks straight up like an Alan Davis panel. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, I agree with that. It doesn't look... The, the Wolverines in... The, the non-costume Wolverines don't look like Mark Sylvester drew it. Yeah, interesting. There's some other panels that just... And I, I really think it's probably just the inks. Uh, yeah. The Dan Green maybe has a little bit lighter touch. Rubenstein's a little more... Heavy handed. Heavy handed, yeah. Colossus gets uh, a new costume as well. He's still pretty naked, but now he has like a wrestling belt and little uh bracelets. Yeah. It's kind of gradually getting his normal costume back. Right. Getting back to that. Um Storm's hair is still shaved on the sides here. Yes. In that first panel it doesn't look like that, but Well because she's flying, so it's all yeah, all feathered out. Well. well she still has kind of the Somewhat mohawk. Yeah. So on page 17, Wolverine snorts. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that's pretty much all I had. What, any other specific comments? Um, I do think it's interesting that what looks like a while later and Dazzler still in her towel, <laughs> Rogue flies off to go get some jewelry for long shot to to uh, interpret or whatever, right? Yes, they're still in her her towel. Yeah, just sitting there with long shot, just hanging out, waiting to see if he'll take it off of her. Yep. But alas, he does not. <clears throat> yeah. Otherwise, no. I don't. I don't have any other right. points. There's a kid spray painting the "Wanted the X Men" yeah. sign. <clears throat> In Hong Kong, a very random uh, insertion. Yep. So what do you is think? Wolverine returning something there? Um, I was going to ask about that because that doesn't seem related to the story. Well, he's smoking. Yeah, this is Hong, but it's very specific. Hong Kong, Billy Mao, 
he's doing this. He's spray painting this uh, poster live on it or live. Maybe he must have returned something and we just didn't see it. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. I don't know. So, yeah. yep. I don't have any other thoughts on this right. or anything specific anyway. Well, the art was pretty good. Um, uh, I, uh, I, was, I didn't think it was all that great. I was kind of... Overall, it's got some... It still has some good moments, but there's quite a few kind of weird... Yeah. Weird things in there, like all the Wolverine not in costumes. <clears throat> there's a couple of... Boy, the the uh, gateway guy looks strange in a few places. She kind of always looks strange, but different strange several times. Right. Uh, there's a couple of... Couple other ones, but anyway, I get too nitpicky about it. But right. So yeah, you... I thought it was not not up to Portacio. I mean, um, Sylvester's normal <clears throat> quality. Yeah, that's fair. So, what do you think of the story? Um, I thought it was kind of stupid, honestly. <laughs> really? I thought it was kind of sweet and really well written for some of the character <clears throat> interplays. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, uh, I just didn't. I just didn't find it. The, the very beginning part where they're testing the the system, I thought was kind of cool. Yeah. Uh, but then once Longshot goes into the cave, I kind of yeah. thought the rest of it was was kind of boring. That's cool. Well, and so then once it? I realized it was a Christmas themed one, I kind of <laughs> got irritated by that. <laughs> but that was more of myself for not getting that that's what I was gonna do. Right. <clears throat> I was. Irritated that I was so surprised. <laughs> right. I, I kind of liked it. I kind of liked Longshot, like, and this weird power, and they, like, go and and give all the stuff back, kind of go around the world, play Santa Claus. Um, I don't know. It was, just very, it, it was very endearing to me in the yeah. right, right kind of way. I feel like there's something else I've seen where someone had that power, but I can't think of what it is. Yeah, there is for sure. Um, when they can like see the history of an object, right? Yeah, but I can't think of who who the other power, who that other person is. But yeah, maybe in a TV show. Yeah, I think it was on a TV show. Maybe Heroes. I don't remember. I don't remember either. Yeah, I will anyway. say just kind of a side story. This is I remember. I remember specifically the scene of of Storm cleaning out the village with a flood. Which yeah. I think would just give you wet junk, but um, yeah, which is a medical condition. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but I don't know. But this is one, you know, when we first really got into X Men, with when a lot of people our age did with the, the Jim Lee Chris Claremont adjectiveless title that that exploded on the nineties. Um, this. No, we had the stuff, the old stuff we had from that, the legendary box of comics. Yeah. But this was the first back issue that I bought. Yeah. After we got into X-Men. Now, I just remember specifically finding this pretty cheap. I think it was just a couple of bucks at Awesome Cards and Comics at the time. And um, when I started going back and looking for issues, this this and the ones we'll talk about next episode, the, the Brood series was the first batch of comics that of back issues that I bought for Uncanny X-Men. Yeah. Yeah, I, this 
the story didn't wasn't familiar, but the cover looks familiar, and I don't know if it's because I think probably I just saw yours. Right. I don't. I don't think I have it, but I have. But some of the brood stuff, I have some of that too. So yeah, but we kind of. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm looking forward to our grade. I think we're gonna finally like maybe have a pretty decent disagreement. So uh, when are you gonna yeah. grade Uncanny X Men two thirty? Um, I kind of want to give it a two, but I think I'm going to say three. Okay. Just because I feel like two is a little too harsh, and I feel like I was a little too harsh on the last one, so. <laughs> You're trying to bump it up. Okay, yeah. well, I'm going to save my twos for later. I actually really enjoyed this issue. I'm going to give it five out of six claws. <laughs> oh, my goodness, Jason. <laughs> First the Dazzler Wolverine story, and now this. Yeah, and just and pull it on my heartstrings the right way. I don't know what to say. <laughs> Was it long shot? Was it long shot crying? Is that what really? Moved yes, you? it was. And the fact that he was in a coma and nobody knew about it just really. No one even noticed. It just it really upset me. Yeah, I, I understand. If I, I can, understand. if I can pull in June, uh, <laughs> it's very upsetting. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Well, okay. That's interesting. All right. Good to disagree every now and then, I guess. Yeah, so now someone, now people can be Team Cameron or Team Jason. Instead That's right. of just saying, well, I either agree with both of you or I don't. That's right. <laughs> I think we may agree on this next one. We'll see. Um, Good chance. <laughs> Uncanny, X- <laughs> Uncanny X-Men number 231 is dressed for dinner. Um, where are those old credits going? Oh, there they are. Chris Claremont is the writer. Rick Leonardi is back as the guest penciler. Dan Green is the inker. Tom Orjakowski, the letterer. Glennis Oliver, the colorist. The cover is also by Leonardi and Green. And I actually kind of like the cover. Um, it's Colossus and the new mutants on a pile of demons. Colossus is, is punching Sim. He's in his little gym shorts. Um, I just I like the way Leonardo, Leonardo, not the Ninja Turtle, uh, the artist. I like the way he draws Colossus. Yeah, I think it's a it's a great looking Colossus. Yeah, I think if the the Sim wasn't looked cooler, the demons would if they all looked cooler. I think this would be a much would be a really good cover. Yeah, but the kind of monstery look of the Sim and the, the demons is a little less interesting to me. But. Right. My Colossus looks great. Yeah, um, very good looking. Good looking. Very cool looking. Right. So here's what happens in this issue. All right. Colossus has a dream about his sister and decides he has to go check on her, even if it risks revealing that the X-Men are really alive. Gateway sends him to magic. In Limbo, magic is about to conjure a spell to resurrect her dead brother when he shows up. So she thinks she did the spell, but she didn't. Um <laughs> So she thinks her spell worked. Colossus fights Sim and rescues the new mutants from a novel that was brought to life. Magic then sends her brother back to the dead, a.k.a. Australia. And that's kind of all I have to say about that. That is about it. (laughs) Um, I did think it was clever, kind of Claremont's little script, where... Magic is casting this spell to bring him back to life, and then Gateway teleports him there at that same moment. So she thinks this is like her dead brother. 
Yeah. Which I guess the spell doesn't really bring you back to life. It makes you like a specter or whatever. Because she thought he, it's almost like she had a zombie colossus in her mind. Yeah. Well, I think she thought it more, more like a, like a, like an apparition. Well, but it's a physical version. I don't know. Like a clone, yeah. maybe. I don't know. Some kind of magical version that's not really Colossus. So right. not like a reanimated Colossus or not Colossus back from the dead, just like a a thing that is looks like Colossus. Okay. Like, that's what I was kind of thinking. So. Right. And Colossus does get to say all the things he needs to say to his sister, so he gets some kind of closure there, even though she doesn't believe it's really him or know it's really him. Um, yeah. And while it's not that interesting in this story to me, some people might disagree, but it is worth noting for future stories that magic's, uh, magic is weakening the walls between Earth and Limbo. Yeah. Just, so just kind of file that away. If you really okay. like this stuff going on in New Mutants, then you know read it and enjoy it. If you're kind of like me and ignoring it, then just kind of put that in your brain that that's going to play a big part later. So I think the page two sets up everything wrong with this comic (laughs) because you have a panel that is pretty much fantastic of Colossus punching through brick, except that he's wearing sneakers with red socks. Yeah. And it's little gym shorts. He is working out to the Jane Fonda workout video. And but instead of using weights or doing pushups, he's punching rocks. And why does he need the sneakers? Traction? He's steel. Yeah, but steel can be slippery. I guess that's true. But the steel... It's like having rip- tires. It's like a truck with tires. Those are his truck tires. Okay, fair enough. <laughs> but why sneakers? I don't know. It looks really stupid. It does look stupid. Because it doesn't, it doesn't make any sense. And if he's out there fighting the bricks, shouldn't he be wearing work boots or something? Right. Steel toed boots? I don't know, something. Steel toed <laughs> boots? For a steel toed man? Ayo. Yeah, I don't know. It was really dumb. But yeah, so that panel sets it up. Because yeah. I, I, I generally like the way Leonardo draws Col- uh, Colossus. And so there's most of the time, Colossus kind of looks cool. Right. But the rest of the comic looks like nonsense. <laughs> Okay, well, that'll answer that question. We'll get to that in a second. Um, I do love when, when people in comics or cartoons fly and they're like laying down and lounging in the air. Yeah. I do love that. Um, yeah. I didn't mention part of the um, angst with his sister. So Colossus, you know, is stuck in metal form. He's out in the yeah. outback in the desert and literally like turning himself into a, a microwave. Yeah. And there's a part where he picks up one of his notepads where he's been drawing his sister and it like burst into flame. And he goes, no! And screams to the sun. And Very dramatic. Yeah. Well, I thought, and right before that, where they're setting up this, this two-page long story about how he's hot <laughs> from the sun, um, Rogue is kind of hitting on him a little bit. And says yum at one point about how good oh, yeah. Colossus looks in his yeah, short shorts does. and red socks. <laughs> uh, but then she puts his hand on him and it and burns herself. Right. On her hand. 
and then gets mad at Colossus, which I thought was really interesting. Because oh. then she yells at him like, you got to be careful what you're doing. It's like, you touched him. Right. You're the one that went out in the sun and touched a metal object that's been in the sun all day. Right. All of us know, if you live somewhere that it's sunny, you don't touch metal stuff in the middle of the day. Right. Well, she did go to school in Alabama. <laughs> well, you know, I don't know. I can't, I can't help you with that. But Part of the reason that she thinks Colossus is so hot is because he has a full pair of shoes. Yeah. I guess that's true. <laughs> He's got some shoes. Yeah, I, I don't know. It was really silly. Yeah, Just he, kidding, Alabama listeners. We love you. <laughs> um, but yeah, so he set his notebook on fire. Or is she from Mississippi? No, I, I don't remember. I think it's Mississippi. I think it's Mississippi. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I I, I kind of think it's interesting because it makes it's a very practical point. That if he's steel and he's in the sun like that, he's going to get super hot. But it's strange that they spent two pages on that. Yeah. Setting that point up and that it ended with him setting paper on fire. I'm not really sure if that's something that would happen, but probably not. Paper spontaneously combust. Yeah. On metal. I don't know, maybe, but. And then Storm dumps water on him. Yeah, I'm not sure. One issue I had. Okay. I just I, I just know that like when you take a pan off the oven, you're not supposed to put it in cold water. Yeah. Right? I mean He could have just cracked right then. Yeah. yeah. Storm could have murdered Colossus. That's true. Maybe it's a warm summer show. rain. I don't know. I also think they they have this so then after that storm and Colossus are flying. And I think I feel like the amount of of wind power it would take uh-huh. to make a steel object fly like that would create significant weather pattern issues. <laughs> the amount of wind, I mean, because that's talking about some pretty massive wind. They just look like they're gliding through the sky. Right. I thought that was kind of interesting. Yeah, that's always, that, that facet of Storm's powers is always a little yeah. troublesome. Because, you know, when she's got the cape, it kind of glider slash cape, depending on who's kind of drawing it. Right. You know, it makes sense. Like she's kind of control floating herself on the wind gusts. But then you have these other times like this where it's like they're just in the air flying around. Right. It's not doesn't look anything like oh gliding or the amount of wind it would take to just have a steel object fly like that. Uh, but then Colossus does put a tank top on. For a couple of pan- panels. Yeah. Yeah, he does. He's, he's ready to teleport. But then it gets ripped up in his battle with Sam, so. Right. Yeah, I, I don't, I could hardly even get through this comic. <laughs> I will admit, I started skimming at parts. It was, it was hard to read. Um, it's kind of a snooze fest. I did really like the art, though, so that, that brings us to our first question. So, Andrew, um, anti-Leonardi, <laughs> Pat says he stinks with a Z, which I guess means he stinks so bad he puts him to sleep. That Leonardi stinks or Andrew stinks? No, <laughs> no, no, <laughs> Pat does not have a podcast beef with Andrew. Um, oh, that's too bad. No, no there's no... um, um. Animosity. 
Yeah, not dual is not the word I'm looking for. Um, I don't know. Anyway, um, no, he says that we and Narnie stinks with a Z, which yeah. So I guess that means he's so bad that it makes Pat take a nap. Um, yeah. I actually really enjoy Leonardo's style. Yeah. I don't want it all the time, but I, I like it. So I, I really like the art in this issue. What do you think, other than Colossus, which you've already kind of sung the praises, what did you, you said the rest of the art you didn't really care for? No, I. it's not that I don't like the art. I think what's going on is nonsense. And oh, so okay, the okay. The dim character and the, the sword and all of this stuff about this limbo area and this witch character i don't like any of it but i think it's all i, I think it's all pretty well done i, I kind of like leonardo's style like you i it's not one that i want to see all the time right uh, but as a guest i'd like him as a guest penciler show yeah. up do a little something different i like the way he does colossus most of the time the iliana is pretty uh, pretty well done as well and, it, you know, like the Sim character, I mean, I, I feel like that looks as cool as that guy's going to look. How cool can uh, a big Barney in a vest be? Yeah, he's purple with pointy ears and big teeth. I mean, yeah, that's about as cool as you're going to get out of that. He's smoking a little cigar, which is kind of cool, I thought. Right. All right, well. My um, robot's a little weird, but, you know, whatever. Yeah. So I'm going to give Uncanny X-Men 231 two out of six claws. Almost exclusively for the art and then the couple of character moments with Colossus. Yeah, uh, I'm going to go two again. We'll re- reunite. Yay! <laughs> Reunited and it feels it so good. good. Uh, yeah, and you know, I just don't like the, the limbo stuff really ever. I mean, just in general. The way that it's been done in the past, it's I don't know. It's never. It's just not interesting to me, and right. so that's part of this too. It's just not interesting to me. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm there with you most of the time. So that's gonna wrap up Uncanny for this episode. Um, I do have an issue of Alpha Flight I want to talk about for just a second. All right. Um, Alpha Flight number sixty-one is Inquisition. Written by Bill Mantlo, penciled by Jim Lee, inked by Al Milgram, letters by Janice Chang, and colors by Bob Sharon. And um, we have a Jim Lee cover, which is almost good. It's about as good as you're going to get for Alpha Flight. Well, yeah. I understand, like, the, the crotch hair on Sasquatch, but Jim Lee gives him, like, this massive elbow hair. Um, yeah. That I'm not a fan of. But, but yeah, I mean, it looks good. Um, the more elbow hair you have, the more manly you are. That's a... Oh, is that a well-known thing, fact? Okay. Is that a Canadian thing? Yeah, it's a Canadian thing. Pat, is that true? Big elbow hair? How hairy are your elbows, Pat? <laughs> <laughs> it is a, tweet us a pig, bro. <laughs> Give me that elbow pick. <laughs> Just right. I didn't, uh, sexually harass you. <laughs> right. He doesn't mind. Um, <laughs> you like how I speak for him? Yeah. Um, anyway, so in this issue, there's been a lot going on in Alpha Flight, and basically they're in a hearing in Canada for treason. 
many heroes watch it on TV, including the X-Men, who are now in the outback. Canada wants to control Alpha Flight, or they will lose their government funding. So, in the end, Alpha Flight rejects any government funds, and at the end, Heather proposes to box. Which is us. Progressive, I guess. <laughs> sure. Was the treason that they said they don't like hockey? Yes. <laughs> That's why they're brought up on charges of national treason. Uh-huh. Because they said, I don't like hockey. Yeah. Or they said curling is silly. <laughs> Someone is like, you can't say that in Canada. Right. No, if you really want to know, the treason was that they'd went and fought a mutant in China that was going to take over the world and almost sparked an international incident. Mm. So. Was it the guy with the star head? What was his name? Born? Bjorn? Oh, no, no. He, he wasn't Zorn. was not around yet. No, so some dragon guy. I was just kidding. <clears throat> He's just my go-to Chinese mutant. Oh, uh, fair a enough. Mutant from China, I right. should say. Uh, so the only really comment I have is that when Alpha Flight's running around, there's this goblin character, like this little tiny character, and, and when they're walking around the city, they have him hiding in a baby stroller. <laughs> That's really funny. Which is not as good as a big baby with a cigar. He's like, has a foul mouth, but yeah. whatever. Have you, uh, seen Zoot- have you seen Zootopia yet? Yes. Yeah. Okay. They had that with the guys that plays the kid. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Uh, so what's Wolverine doing in that comic? Uh, he's watching the hearing on the news with the X-Men uh, in the Outback. Okay. That's it. Oh, okay. I That's... thought maybe he uh, testified or something. No, no, nothing nearly that involved. Um, okay. <laughs> so the art is fine. It doesn't really look like Jim Lee very much. You know, and I think part of it, I think Al Milgram really pushed his style with the inks because it, it looks a lot stiffer than Jim Lee normally looks even back then Jim Lee wasn't really this stiff and everything's just really everything just looks really Milgrammy, which is not a compliment um, so as far as the story oh my gosh there are so many words it's actually not a bad turning point in Alpha Flight as far as their status quo, but it's such a boring issue to get there. It's, it's terrible. That's too bad. Yeah, so I'm going to give Alpha Flight number 61 two out of six claws. This has been a rough episode. Yeah, yeah. We, we disagreed about Christmas. I love Christmas. You're sponsoring the war on Christmas. It's true. Um... <laughs> I celebrate Festivus. Festivus, yes. Um, but yeah, so that's that's it. That's Wolverine Year 14, Part 2. Um, any closing comments on this, this time in general? We didn't get like a whole lot of like necessarily Wolverine nuggets, but we did get some really cool Wolverine Sylvestri pages. Yeah. So. I think it's kind of weird that they, they basically had four one-shot comics in a row. Yes, I think, yeah. I guess they're, they're wrapping up the very long saga of the Forge stuff with the Trickster and all that. Right. And the last couple of arcs, but it just, I don't know, it's, it, they don't, you don't usually have 
so many like filler comics. Like there's all four of these, you know, are, you know, I'm going back to the Wolverine Dazzler one, right? Um, all four issues in a row are like kind of standalone random stories that don't really advance it much. You well, know, the one kind of advances it in that they have a place to live now. But right. Yeah. They set up the Outback part and, and some of this stuff will come back. But yeah, yeah. I agree. It's, there's not, and I think maybe it's just they're taking a break from like the big epic stories, which we'll get. Our next episode will be the return of the brood, and that'll be a nice like three issue solid story. So, yeah, yeah and we're getting we're we're pushing up there where we're going to start getting some pretty pretty big stories. Yes, as as I remember, as we get into the late eighties and early nineties, but <clears throat> yeah, just kind of weird for for kind of. Uh, not completely unnecessary stories, but, you know, stories that could go anywhere. Yeah. Yeah. But overall, I found them mostly enjoyable, I guess. Um, yeah. Our grades were kind of kind of average for this episode. But, um, yeah. So that, that's, that's, that's that. Um, that, that. We're, we're, we're full swing into 1988. Now, um, like I said, next flashback will be the, the return of the brood. I think there's kind of an interesting take on it, so it'll be fun to talk about that. Um, and I gotta tell you, because as much as because the original brood saga is one of my favorite comic stories of all time, but I didn't read that till way later. So the story we read next time is actually my very first ever exposure to the brood. And those are the first brood issues I ever had. So it'd be interesting to see, kind of compare and contrast a little bit, maybe if I if I feel yeah. up to it. But um, where it came from? Yeah. So, I mean, all right. Well, any closing thoughts? What do you What do you have going on, Cameron? Anything you want? I got nothing. Got nothing. All right. So. Oh wait, you you had something? You had something? Big news, right? At school. I don't think so. No. Oh. I thought you like got your your virgin and tenured or whatever. Oh yeah, yeah, that's true. Community that's, college tenure. Yeah, that's pretty tenure cool. Light, as we call it. What do what yeah. you call it? Tenure light oh. is what the old guys call it. <laughs> nice. It's yeah. not technically tenure like you get at a university, but right? It'd be real hard for them to fire me, so that right. counts. Yeah, just don't sexually harass anybody. I think even then I'd probably be okay. Oh, wow. There'd have to be violence involved, probably, for me to to get fired. Or criminal activity. Yeah. So, on the record, Cameron is allowed to sexually harass his students. What's that? So, on the record, Cameron is allowed to sexually harass his students. Yeah, yeah. That's why I'm taking the position as the Baylor coach. (laughs) (laughs) Ouch. Too too soon? Um, Sorry, Baylor. I I would comment that, that that probably happens everywhere, but you know, oh, yeah. I'm glad That's, this yeah. I'm glad that someone finally <clears throat> took some sort of stand on it. I'll just leave it at that. Yeah, it's maybe I read an article. I don't know. I don't know. I think they may be overemphasizing what's going on. Like I hope they're right, but they basically basically said that like this is a turning point and how schools look at their athletic programs as far as like what they can get away with or not. Like maybe the days of just 
rampant athletics running the school without any consequence or maybe starting to come to an end. I don't know if that's really necessarily true or not. We'll have to see. But I feel like we've heard that before. Yeah. But I hope I, I, I mean like I, I hope this does something to make schools wake up. Well, I mean I think ever 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 so often we're getting these big stories about the corruption and these real endemic problems within the way athletics is, is uh, given so much power and money. And so, yeah, it, it's all, if, at some point it's going to culminate and we're going to get real change. I just don't know when that's going to be. I don't know if this is that. <clears throat> I'm not sure if Baylor is big enough outside of Texas to, uh, yeah, to elicit. I, I mean, maybe. Uh, that's that's. I don't mean that as a knock on Baylor. I really don't know. I just... <clears throat> It's uh, I don't know. We'll see. I mean, we have a lot of stuff about all the, like the online class thing. That I don't know how many of your listeners listen to read the Chronicle of Higher Education, but <laughs> they had a story a while back about you know this whole like shop set up for guys that did online classes that took online classes for athletes, and it was like several big schools. Oh, I'm sure. They yeah. implicated several guys that are in the NBA now. Um, that they didn't give names, but that that who are now, <clears throat> where they just got the, the coaches just paid a service, and these guys they told the <clears throat> one of the weird things is it's kind of sad and weird at the same time, is in this story they were talking about how sometimes the players didn't even know, and so the coaches would say you're taking this class, the players would do their work, turn it in, the coaches would throw it away, and then pay this guy to turn it in. Oh wow, because the players didn't know anything. And so they were turning in work that, you know, they're not learning anything. And so they can't actually do the work. And so they have some other guy taking the class. And so a weird thing is like, sometimes the players knew they were being crooked. Sometimes it was just purely the coaches and the players or even themselves are being taken for a ride. Wow. Very strange. Uh, But yeah, I mean, we get these stories. You had the whole, um, you know, the guy up in uh, Penn state, was it with all the molestation up there? I mean, there's just so many, so many bad things that come from too much power and money and lack of oversight. And right. it, yeah, I don't know. Hopefully one day we'll get some real change, but I don't know. <clears throat> Americans love sports we do. and particularly, uh, the big, the big names, the PBA and the NFL. Yeah. So, um, well, <laughs> <laughs> it's a weird end to the podcast. It is, but you know, it's it's important stuff. So yeah, but let the record show: I've always been opposed to sexual harassment. Yes, yes. Lest lest anyone take our jesting too serious. Yeah, it is not good. No, it's a bad thing, and I hope that it never happens again. No, she shouldn't have worn that dress. That's right. And then what Scott Wyland, rest in peace, said. Wyland. Oh my goodness! And yeah, you know, I was so disappointed when I found out his name was Wyland. Yeah. Because in my head, when I first started getting STP records, I thought it was Scott Wheeland, and I thought that was really um, just fun. Yeah. Whimsical. Whimsical. Yeah, and I thought Tim DeLauder and Scott Wheeland would have a nice band together. And yeah. Scott Wheeland, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And for those of you not from Texas or who don't love the polyphonic spree and we were growing up Tim DeLauder uh, was the front man in Trippin' Daisy and 
his name is spelled De Laughter. So if you if you like it, you already know that. If you don't, you probably don't care. So Or if you're a big fan of puns. Yes. yes. <laughs> Word humor. Wordplay. <laughs> classic wordplay. Wordplay is run afoul. Um That's true. Hashtag up. wordplay. Hashtag. Yeah. Hashtag foul. What? Hashtag what? Foul. Oh, foul. Yeah, because you said it'd run afoul. Oh, yeah. Hashtag no blood, no foul. <laughs> yeah, hashtag duck hunt. Nintendo <laughs> duck hunt. <laughs> Don't forget duck hunt. And the little snickering dog. Who yep. mocked you when you missed. But um, I, I think this podcast is run amok. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's uh, just de- declining. Let's, let's rein this episode back in. So, um, Cameron, what's your Twitter? At Cameron Sinclair. All right. And our Twitter, of course, is at SnickCast. Uh, you can like the Facebook page, uh, show notes and stuff, snickcast.podbean.com, and email snickcast at yahoo.com. So, um, I don't know what will be next for sure, but something. Uh, the next flashback, like I said, will be the... The return of the brood. Um, so yeah, until next time. Uh, thanks, Cameron, for coming on. Always. And uh, everyone else, hugs and snicks. Bye. You gonna say bye? Oh yeah, bye. All right, and snacked. <laughs>